0: Welcome back to the YM Kansas City podcast, and uh, here we are. Our set is looking very similar, more full, but we're adding stuff, right? We I don't know if we've added anything here, but we're like there's a ton more going on over here. Okay, we've got uh, we've got a new guest on the podcast today. Uh-huh. You want to introduce our guest? Oh sure,
1: yeah. So we have uh, one of our staff here. Has worked in different parts of the the world that are restricted. <laughs> the globe, yeah, the globe, the planet, so that are restricted. So he is wanting to remain nameless and faceless. He's taking on that that title, and so we've
0: given him a pseudonym.
1: What's our what's our pseudonym? For? We're calling him Bruno. Bruno. We just decided this right before we hit play today. We were like so we were
0: debating calling him Nacho.
1: <laughs> yeah, I said I can't do I, I can't do I like Nacho. nacho. Or nacho but, yeah, so Bruno, this is Bruno, you better. can hear him but you can't see him. So if anyone out there has seen home improvement, now this is a little bit before maybe some of your guys' time, but the next door neighbor where you always see like from here up with his fence, <laughs> that's Bruno. So Bruno, welcome to the podcast,
0: bro. You can hear him, but you can't see
1: him. (laughs) (laughs) One of these times, we're just gonna have like your eyes up, and uh, (laughs) we'll post a blurred out photo
0: of him somewhere.
2: (laughs) But then it could be anyone.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'll post a picture of someone else and say, "This (laughs) is Bruno." (laughs) Bruno. (laughs) Um, But uh, we've also uh, we're also working with a new kind of setup here, where we're kind of switching this live, and we're we're experimenting. Hopefully soon, we'll actually be able to switch to where we can live produce this Um, amazing. So this show is sort of in development. Mm -hmm. And last week we ran like an hour long episode, which Uh was sort of a lot longer than we had done before that. Let us
1: know how we did.
0: Yeah. Let us know if you're watching this stuff. Like I know right now as we're figuring things out, the audience is smaller, but, um, but for those of you who are watching and enjoying this, let us know in the comments, give us feedback. We're, we're kind of developing this as we go.
1: And we take your feedback seriously. We do.
0: Like one person could change the whole.
1: (laughs) Say, I don't like that guy. Get get person.
0: Get rid of Phil. I won't be here next week. No, no, no. They
1: would say about me. I won't be here next week because of one of your guys' comments. Please feel free to put that below.
0: (laughs) And uh, we are posting every week um, on Instagram what the topic is. And we want your questions. We want to involve you in these podcasts. And so, um, yeah, do that for sure. Mm -hmm. And today on the podcast, we're talking about. Um, sharing the gospel, uh, and really what are the challenges, uh, you know, in the previous podcast, we've talked about how, um, all Christians are missionaries, really. I mean, we don't see a huge distinction in the Bible, um, for like, these are the missionaries and these are the non-missionary, just mm-hmm. regular old Christians. Mm-hmm. And I think we have that distinction more so today in our Christian world. Um, and obviously there are aspects to that, um, that are legit. Um, missionary in the Bible was like the same word for a, a apostle sent one. Mm-hmm. So there is like this idea of being sent out on a mission on a purpose, right. but in, in a way we're all sent on a right. mission to purpose. We can maybe dig into that one later, but today we're talking about, um, why Christians don't share the gospel. And, um, so Bruno is, uh, joining us in the, on the conversation over here. And, the
1: real expert on this conversation.
0: Yeah, and real-life real, real life experience from doing missions overseas. Obviously, we've done it as well, mm-hmm. some, but uh, a larger conversation here. Um, but I want to hear from you. What do you think are some of the reasons that Christians don't share the gospel?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of the classic, right? I think there's a, a study that says in America, over 70% of Christians want to share their faith. Actually, they have the desire in their heart to share their faith. Um, but there's things that hold them back. And I think in our, our schools here, we have trainings every quarter. And I'll just, I'll just share a few of the kind of typical things we see and then the ways that we kind of attack it. So I'd say, one, um, definitely is, is fear and fear of what other people think. So, you know, you're like, if you don't know someone or even a family member you do know or a coworker you do know, you walking up to them, or you in the moment in the conversation when something comes up, you bring up Jesus, or you bring up, hey, can I pray for you? Like, it's nerve-wracking, right? So for a lot of people, they're like, come up in the conversation, and it, they're like, I, I, the the boldness to actually say something and to potentially like offend them, or they may not like me, or they may think I'm just one of those crazy Christians. I think that for sure is a massive one that a lot of people have to deal with and overcome. And me personally, I'll just say fear of man was massive for me to overcome. So I'd say that's that's a first thing. A second thing um, I would say is, is passivity or apathy. You could say it different ways, but it's kind of just an indifference towards people around us. So Like, again, I had some of this in my life, Um, you know, growing up, I knew Jesus and I had actually a desire in my heart to share with people, like I knew I should, but like my friends would be there and then I I played a lot of sports. It'd be like baseball, my baseball team, we'd be talking about stuff and like maybe there's an opportunity there in the conversation to bring Jesus to the table and i kind of be like, ah, maybe next time, you know, and I kind of just put it off and then, once you keep putting off, the longer that you do that, the harder it is actually to bring it up later, I feel. <laughs> so then, uh so for me, I would often go year, two, three, and I really hardly bring up Jesus at all, if ever. Yeah. And so I think, and there wasn't like an urgency on me to even do it. It was like, I knew I should, but like, I, I would do it later. And so you're constantly putting it off well, for a if, little bit later.
0: For me in that situation, I'm thinking like, what, what's the words, like, what's the, sentence, that structure that I use right. to bring this up. And you both want to be like compelling and engaging, but you also don't want to be like overbearing and like pushy. Right. And so it's just sort of like, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. I'm just super uncomfortable around this topic. And if I bring it up, I feel like it's just going to be awkward yeah. and weird and change the dynamic of this relationship. And so like, I want to do it. I'm thinking about doing it. but I can't figure out how.
1: Right. Yeah. And <laughs> That's so to- I feel. No, totally. And yeah, exactly. And I was, that was actually my third thing is, I think a lot of people, they do, they just literally don't know what to say or how to say it. And and all of those are, you can remedy, right? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a, one of power, love, and of a sound mind. It says in Timothy, God hasn't given us a, pa- Jesus was the least passive person on planet earth, and he gave us his spirit, so we don't have to be passive either. And then uh, there's actual tools that you can learn to, to share with people you can do it conversationally you don't have doesn't mean you have to walk up to someone and be like thus saith the lord here are the five points of the gospel they need
0: <laughs> and you're like are you sitting sit down i have something to yeah say
1: yeah, to yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> and you, hey nice to meet you child sit down let me tell you So you know what i mean like it, it's it doesn't have to be well, like that but
0: and i almost like when i hear this idea of learning ways to share the gospel i almost feel like it's this idea of like you're tricking someone into mm-hmm. hearing that's not it either it's almost like you're unlearning these awkward right approaches that our culture has to religion right. and uh, these awkward approaches that Christians have had stereotypically, right. it's like we're sharing the thing that we believe the like the most and the thing we care about the most. Like if you're talking about a movie that you really like, mm-hmm. you might not like the movie, but you're going to listen to that person. You might even argue with that person, but you do it sort of in this space of like, right? Hey, we're good. No. But for whatever reason, we start talking about Jesus and all what? of a sudden it's like, Oh gosh. And all the stereotypes and all of the awkwardness that's built into it it kind of all creeps in all of a sudden. So we're right. almost, when we're learning to share, it's almost like we're trying to learn how to be natural, yeah. normal, like No, a no, for
1: sure. Well, and I, an analogy that one of our, our leaders here uses, um, talks about like your spouse, right? If you're married, you, your spouse is the person who you're closest with, you love them, hopefully, right? <laughs> you love them, right? And you know, when you're in the dating phase and even in your marriage, you like, you bring them up in conversation all the time. like for me like it's hard to not get to know someone for real and not bring up my wife it would be really weird if you knew me for 5 years and like oh you're married yeah. <laughs> you're like huh like you didn't invite you to tell me that like 5 years ago I'd be like oh I just you know I didn't want to bring it up like that would be super weird yeah i think it's the same it's actually with actually awkward
0: to not bring it exactly. up
1: exactly <laughs> literally cuz it affects your life so much and the same thing i think is with jesus like we bring up we or we're afraid to bring him up but he's our best friend right He's the guy the one who's changed our lives the most. And Changes to, everything
0: we see, everything we literally do.
1: Literally, my whole grid on life has the Jesus filter. And he does life with me. He lives in me. Like for me to not bring him up is actually more weird than it is to like, how do I bring up my spouse to this person? Yeah. You know what I mean? You kind of
0: put it in that analogy, you're like, huh,
2: that's yeah, that,
1: kind
0: of weird actually. <laughs> it makes me think actually, I have a a vlog on YouTube where I talk about my life, share my experience as a missionary. And I kind of have this rule and it's basically that rule that like, I don't want to bring up God because I feel like I need to, or because I'm trying to, or because I'm sort of making a point to bring up God, but I also don't want to like make a point to not bring up God. Like I want to just let it be when it makes sense. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. When it doesn't, it doesn't like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to over spiritualize something mm-hmm. that's not spiritual, but I'm also not going to under spiritualize something or hide mm-hmm. the fact that this decision or this part of my life is affected by god right. i'm just going to be honest about it right and straightforward
1: right and so yeah being a little more normal i think will help a lot of people um, i do think there are times like we do this with our students here on purpose um, guys who have like fear or passivity or things that have held them back from being bold in their faith we actually intentionally push them out to be uncomfortable and i think it's wise because you having fear, what's the you can break off the spirit if you're in prayer, and there's power in that, but also walking out the opposite of uh, being bold in your faith and unashamed is really the thing that's going to solidify your breakthrough. Same with passivity. You can't sit there and be like, I break off passivity, and then you sit on your couch and stay passive. The real <laughs> the real way you're going to be break off passivity is actually stepping out and doing it. And so um, in our daily lives, yeah, we want to just be flowing out of us naturally. Um, but I also do think there are times where God drops it on us, and be like, "Go pray for that person that you've never met in your life on the street corner," and that's real, and that's not natural. So I think I think it's like a a, a combination of that where um, we need to be spirit led at, at ultimately, um, but it should be flowing out of mm-hmm. us freely. So
2: can I ask a question? Yeah, do it. you guys experience who is really good at sharing the gospel the first time?
0: I was perfect. <laughs> I, was. I, I was. I'm not.
2: <laughs> so I don't know who it is, but it's not me. <laughs> were
1: you Were you Bruno?
2: No, I don't think I was very good at all. Uh-huh. I think it's, uh, I want to ask, because I think having trainings and a lot of people come through, I rarely see, and I don't know if my experience or not, but the people doing it the first time aren't very good.
0: Mm-hmm. You right. always start bad, which is not just true of training the gospel, it's like true of, of like anything. Like first time you try and cook something, it's not gonna be like the most impressive meal someone's had.
2: So that's why I was just curious. I've seen people who get saved for the first time, really love Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when they share, they're very passionate. And I feel that comes through, but what they're talking about sometimes doesn't make sense. Disorganized. yeah, Yeah, disorganized, kind of conjoined.
1: right? They're from the Book of Mormon or something? Yeah, so I'm like, not, <laughs> hopefully not. not.
2: Hopefully not. But Can I just, make jokes like
1: that on the podcast? Is that okay? No one's Go ever for it. That good. Cut that out.
2: I remember the first time I tried to share, I felt like God probably share someone at a grocery store. Mm-hmm. And I kind of stalked this guy through the aisles of like the frozen section and then like, canned goods. And he was just looking at me. And I was like, what am I doing right now? <laughs> you, you like become a or, creepy person. Yeah, I was so just you like, come right next, next to the dude. frozen broccoli. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I need this, actually.
2: Yeah, so it's kind of like... No, and I did. I think God was pleased, but also know that it was terrible. yeah, yeah, so I wonder if people have a grid of like, oh, you're you might not be good the first couple of times, but God's really proud when you do it. So i was just wondering, when do you get to a point uh, you guys, some of you guys have been training for a while where well, how when does the reps actually start to feel like you guys are doing really good? Maybe throw it back to you guys well,
1: I'll just first I'll just embarrass myself and then I'll answer your question I think the first time I like personally led someone to Jesus. I was on my DTS outreach and There were like three I was I was in Mexico City and there were uh, three teenagers there and I shared the gospel with them and um, shockingly, they said, yes, I want Jesus. <laughs> right? So I, I was more <laughs> shocked than they were. It's crazy stuff, right? <laughs> so I, I shared, and I knew enough of the gospel to kind of fumble through it. Like, I, I know I said Jesus died on the cross somewhere in there, right? And, and then they actually said yes. And um, after they said yes, I literally like froze. Oh. And I'm like, well, now I do what? Do now?
0: You're ready for rejection.
1: Uh, yeah, I write, and I'm like, now what? And I, you know, I led them through the classic sinners' prayer, which you know, every, you know, you have to do. It's in the Bible, right? And um, <laughs> I need but, a verse for that. Yeah, yeah. There is the confess and believe, but the, there's a there's a special words that you got to use, bro. I'm just joking. <laughs> Um, But yeah, I walked them through a prayer. They all said yes, and we said amen. And literally, it was like, amen. And then they like walked away not connecting the dots that there's actually a pastor right there literally they could be connected to to disciple yeah. i just i like
0: i just didn't like, know hey, do you have a bible like any of the other follow-up literally nothing with, like-
1: and and i think god looks back and you know I as i was whatever i was 17 or 18 at that point and he's like yeah i was pleased just like what you're saying bro like but um growing in that i think there are practical things like you can come alongside someone could have pulled me aside and said hey Bro, so awesome. Love your boldness. Hey, next time, like there's a pastor right there, you can connect them
0: or yeah. hey, give them a Bible or really like anything else other than just letting them like, and, wander off. And you did. I mean, you learned like mm-hmm. that's the point is that you probably didn't ever do that again. Right. Like where you just accidentally forgot to do any follow up. Right. So mm-hmm. you learn as you go. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's a, an analogy that I've heard, Bruno, um, where you take this idea of a pottery class and the teacher of the pottery class separates the class into two groups and says, all right, for you guys, I want you guys to make the best piece of pottery that you could ever come up with. Like spend the whole year, you know, practice, whatever you wanna do, but make the best piece of pottery at the end of the year, present it. And then the other half of the class, she just said, I want you to make as many pots as you can. Just make pots every day, make pots, small pots, big pots, just make tons of pots. Mm-hmm. And." at the end of the year, Mm -hmm. she said, all right, now I want each of you to present your best pot to me. Mm. And hands down, the the half of the class that had made the most pots, Mm. they had the best pot. Interesting. And I've heard this analogy used because like with creating content on YouTube. Like when you create videos, the more videos you make, the better you get at it. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. even as we make this podcast, we're going to get better. Mm -hmm. Every time we do this, we're going to get more comfortable. We're going to be more engaged. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with anything in life, cooking, but it's also the same with sharing the gospel. Like when you do it over and over and over and over and over again, you get to this point where you're like, yeah, I I just feel like I've learned how to navigate it, Mm -hmm. how to work with different pieces of clay and so if you fixate on this idea of like, I've got to share the gospel really well, but mm-hmm. never actually go do it, right? then yeah, you're not gonna.
1: No, it's just, yeah, it is just like anything in some ways. I think, I, w- I will say one thing, your question, like, I don't know what moment I felt like comfortable, and there's still moments today where I'm not comfortable. So I think there's still a reality of that where I comfort's have- Comfort's not the goal. No, yeah, comfort's not the goal and I have to overcome fear sometimes still, so it's not like I arrived, or maybe some people have out there, that'd be awesome. Um, But I do remember one shifting point, to answer your question is, when I really encountered the Holy Spirit in a very tangible way. So I would say that was actually a big shifting moment for me in the place of prayer, and in being bold in my faith. And I think you see that in the Bible too. Like you see with Peter, he 50 days before just denied Jesus, and couldn't you know he's around the campfire kind of the classic scene a girl comes up to him and says you're with jesus like no no i don't know jesus you know like tons of fear man there didn't want to get arrested like him and there's this moment where jesus even looks at him he goes out and weeps like pretty intense but 50 days later after holy spirit uh breaks out in the upper room in acts chapter 2 then he gets up and preaches to 3,000 plus And, um, and there, the X factor I see there, and I've seen this in my own life, is Holy Spirit um, in a very tangible way. Like, obviously, when you're born again, He lives in you, and you have the Spirit of Christ, but I do think there is a, a power dimension where um, God wants to mark us with that. And so I would encourage people even listening, like, if you haven't been marked in a tangible way with Holy Spirit, doesn't mean, like, every day you're, like, floating on clouds or something, but I do think that is one thing that could be an X factor.
2: Yeah, because I was thinking, maybe another question to throw back is, what should your expectation be sharing the gospel? And then what's your, what should your goal be sharing the gospel? Because I think talking about those two things, they're actually very different. Mm-hmm. And I think people's expectations are actually very different. So maybe throw it back to you guys. What is the goal of sharing the gospel? And what should the expectation be after sharing the gospel or sharing
0: I mean, I think it's a great question. If I just think about it for a second, I could probably get more deep in this answer, but my immediate feeling is that the goal is to see someone come to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And my expectation is that they're going to either reject me really hard on or that they're going to be like, Oh wow. Yeah, I'm totally digging what you're saying. So I feel like that is sort of my, and then yeah, even figuring out, I don't know if I would say my expectation is that they would accept Jesus or my expectation is that they would reject. But what I'm hearing you say, if I dig into that question a little bit more and I like it is maybe shifting it to my expectation is that I'm going to be available to have this conversation. Like I'm just going to engage the conversation. I'm going to go there and make a space for God to do something. Mm -hmm. And the goal would just be to share God clearly, like to, and to maybe do it from who I am, not from what I feel like is the set of beliefs that I've been told to transfer, Mm -hmm. but more from like, no, this is actually what I believe. Like I'm not doing this because I feel guilty not doing it or because mm-hmm. I feel like I should do it. I'm doing it because I want to do it because this is something I believe and right. that's who I am. It's good, man. I don't know how you would answer that <laughs> yeah, question. I have
1: like this the Sunday school answer in my head, <coughs> but I think it's
0: true. Like
1: to be Jesus to the person in whatever scenario, like No, that's good. It could be compassion. It could literally sometimes God doesn't tell us you have to preach the five point gospel of every person you come and take. Maybe it's buy the coffee for the person after you at Starbucks like that could be real or it's like obedience and doing what jesus would do in that moment and you know sometimes god does lead you to where you do lead someone to the lord and maybe even calls you to disciple that person right so like it's more than even just like all right five point gospel check got it they said yes boom peace out but i think the point is um, but then sometimes he doesn't call you to disciple them either. Like if I'm next to someone in an airplane, they're headed to a different country. <laughs> uh, I know some people are like, if you can't disciple them, you shouldn't preach the gospel. I'm like, yeah,
0: I, I don't know about that because the Bible, I think is very clear. Well, From- yeah. Paul says Paul planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God gave the growth. Is that uh, maybe it's backwards, but yeah, I think the point is like, I don't know what planting and watering are, yeah. but they're, they're not the same, the same thing. Yeah. They're all different. And so it's kind of like, you don't know what your role could be in this person they could go from hating christians to being having a positive experience with the christian right. which might be like the first yeah. step towards them being open to the gospel down the road right. and, and you got and you got the the, the classic story <laughs> in acts of philip who,
1: uh, who you know what I'm saying he's like walks up to a, a you know a guy on a carriage or whatever and leads, leads him to Jesus. He dude's like reading his Bible. Reading his Bible. He's like, what does this mean? Well, that's literally me, the prophecy about Jesus. Okay. Let me tell you. Let me tell then, you what that means. But then he goes and he baptizes the guy. And literally, Holy Spirit takes him a different place. Like he transports. I guess he was done. Apparently, he wasn't supposed to disciple <laughs> him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, So his role wasn't that. His role was literally that moment. So,
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Because I think about it a little bit, I feel like sometimes there's a pressure. It's almost like a pass-fail class when you share... So it's like, yes, I you know, got them saved or I completely failed. But hearing you guys talk, is almost like more of like giving them enough exposure to inch them a little bit closer to Jesus. So I feel like, yes, I think we should still be full of faith that they could get saved. But if we brought them a little bit closer to Jesus or exposure a little bit of truth, for, I don't know, for me, when I was younger, I had this huge pressure, but hearing that, almost like a little bit of relief. Like, oh, I'm not going to get them perfect. I'm not going to say everything perfect, but if I could inch them a little bit closer to knowing God, that would be a huge win, I think.
1: Can I can I throw a question your way, yeah. bro? Is this allowed? Do it, man. Okay, cool. So, um, so you being in a context where it's people don't readily receive the gospel, uh, where you've served different places. Not a Christian nation. Not a Christian nation. Um, and where it's it's just more difficult for people to say yes, right? What What would you say to someone? Like, even in that context, for you personally, maybe, like, what was success on a daily basis or a regular basis for you as a, as a missionary? there?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, for me, the context where we would define success is actually seeing if people were open to reading the Bible together. Of like, hey, are you really curious about God or about Jesus? Like, hey, like, you know, I'm studying it too. Like, I love God a lot, and I'm just have a lot of questions I would have. Like, hey, and I think God answers a lot of those things in reading the Bible. Would you be interested in reading a Bible together? So that would be kind of my first step, um, just because the context-wise, like,
0: mm-hmm. you have to know the country you're in, and
2: yeah, even the way I think I was trained, I, it was really amazing, but it just didn't fit. So anything I would say it was like deadpan. Like, what are you talking about? You're not making any sense. And sometimes for me, it was like a lot of this Christianese language. And for me, it's like, well, the Bible has been around for a couple thousand years or so. Let's use that. Right. I'll probably cut through all the filters of my own lens of how I see it. So that's kind of the goal that I would kind of go through.
0: Okay. It's good. I like it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, it's really, I think in the end, it, it really is about recognizing that I think one of the biggest challenges I have to sharing the gospel is that I feel like my religion, my religiosity is like getting in the way where I'm bringing that awkward religious, like if I'm feeling, if I'm sharing the gospel out of a sense of duty, if I'm sharing the gospel out of a sense of like fear, then it comes through and then I get sort of stilted. And if I don't, like you said, if I don't practice, if I'm not actually doing it, then it just sort of starts to become like, I'm supposed to say this and they can feel that like, the person listening to you picks up on what you're feeling and if you're feeling like awkward and fear and religion hmm. then that's just going to turn the person off and so i think that's for me one of the biggest things is trying to figure out like how do i become less religious and more authentic more mm-hmm. like conversational right l- less awkward um and i think there is like this is a, a interesting question to go this direction with it there is this side of it that's just like go do it
2: mm-hmm.
0: like but as someone who's maybe stuck, um, and I would even say now to some degree, there's this sort of like, I'm not doing it regularly. Um, like I would love to be. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, I feel like there's something there that I'm having to overcome Mm -hmm. and to go into a situation where all of a sudden it's like, how do I do this without it feeling like I'm doing it just because I'm supposed to do it. Right. Then that makes that interaction for me feel kind of awkward. Mm -hmm. And then that makes me not want to do it. Mm -hmm. So, I would say there is an element to that practice side of it and recognizing that it's going to be awkward at first Mm -hmm. and maybe just plow through that. I I think that's Mm -hmm. maybe the answer, but switching this over, we have this school that we run here, Discipleship Training School, and you guys don't just take the students and say, great, hey guys, you should feel great about this. You should love doing it. And if you just do it a lot, then you'll be awesome. You guys actually take people through some teaching, Mm -hmm. take people through some Mm -hmm. exercises, I think there is a side to this is just practice. You know, you get better mm-hmm. what you do, but mm-hmm. there's also a side to it of saying like, no, let's learn from somebody who's maybe done this enough times that they kind of understand these are some of the best practices, some of those things. Mm-hmm. What does that look like mm-hmm. in the school and, and how much do you feel like that plays a role in learning how to share the gospel?
1: Yeah, no, it's, no, it's super good. I think with our yeah, with our school, we we very intentionally train them <clears throat> and they're all gearing up to go international and do this like, all day, every day, for uh, like eight two or ten weeks. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two <laughs> yeah, two months. Yeah, two, two, two months. Yeah, so <clears throat> we do. So we train them with specific um, knowledge. I'll call it that is clear in Scripture. It's just some basic Scripture, and we give them a little framework. We call it the Five Point Gospel. And the point is, it's not a, it's not a formula to get someone saved. But it is a, a good, maybe, skeleton to kind of like realize, okay, these are some core truths to know about God that then um, help give people understanding what it means to follow Him. And so we train our guys in that. And we, we uh, as well, during the training phase, we, even, we do these things called reps, where they literally practice w- with each other in class. It's like 10 minutes a day or something. Very simple. And sometimes... It's not all just about the gospel, but that's one of the ones. And we'll give them a scenario. Hey, you're talking to someone and they're Hindu. You know, here you go. They're they're an atheist. Here you go. And and the other person plays the part and they kind of just have conversation because it's it's more than they don't just start the conversation. Hello, you know, my name is, you know, Jonathan. And here's the here's point one, here's point two. It's way more fluid than that. And, and really, at the end of the day, you're trying to represent Jesus, that person, and if there's an opportunity to lead them to him. And so they practice that. And if the person has a, and people really do have strongholds in their mind, I'll call them lies that they believe about God or about Jesus or the Bible. Or themselves. Or themselves, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. And Holy Spirit helps us navigate that. And and them getting practice in doesn't it's not the real thing, but at least they're working that muscle a little bit. Okay, conversation. And then and then they went they're in a real conversation, Holy Spirit, boom, brings something up and you realize, oh wow. Like this person grew up in church and they got they were wounded and then they saw, you know, saw a hypocrite in there and it turned them off to God. Now you're in conversation with them that kind of comes up you can immediately address that and be hey just because someone didn't represent jesus doesn't mean that jesus himself is like that Mm -hmm. and you're able to kind of speak right to it and go right in and um and do things like that so i'd say we we do we give them practical tools we have them practice in a safe context where it's okay to make mistakes. And then we cut them loose, bro, and <laughs> uh, and help them push past fear and passivity and um, break that off their life. And um, and sometimes we do it in a very comfortable environment where it's normal and people like actually want Jesus and they are already responding to him. Mm-hmm. Other times, on purpose, we cut them loose to be uncomfortable, yeah. where they're actually having to... Step out of their box, their comfort zone, and uh, walk up to someone and be like, "Hey, I know you don't know me, and you don't have to do that thing." And, and I'm a, thats like most people's worst nightmare
0: mm-hmm.
1: of like public speaking to a stranger like that. Yeah. But I think if you're able to do that, then you're able to share them in any context. And so those are some things we do.
0: Yeah. So I think what I'm sensing there—I mean, in a lot of ways, this—we talked last week about training. How much training does a missionary ha- need? And that really again we what we kind of concluded there was what are you going to be doing? Mm-hmm. But if let's say a missionary sort of at a base level is sharing the gospel in some way in some space then that training you guys are offering really that 3 months of the DTS that's here in Kansas City is really all about preparing them for that outreach and I would say we you you gave a list of the different things that are hindering Christians from sharing the gospel I would say that that school is basically working through those things Mm -hmm. and starting to address the right or the wrong views of God that you might have or of yourself or of the gospel even. Um, and so it really gives people some stuff to work through. I I don't know if, do you guys do this here? I've witnessed this in another DTS where they actually have students stand on chairs Mm -hmm. and like yell or something like that. I'm trying to remember what it was like. They just yell. Yeah. Just stand (laughs) on chairs and yell. It's just like super weird if you just walk in the room, but if you, what they're doing, it's not actually about sharing the gospel. It's about learning to use your voice. It's about learning to break through that sort of fear. That tells you just be quiet, just yeah. don't speak.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do, and usually it's in a context of they're identifying lies in their life that they believed, whether it's about fear, fear of what other people think, um, passivity could be shame, could be could be all kinds of things, and um, they're taking those, and it's actually a prayer towards the Lord. But in some cases, we feel that it's helpful to bust free from passivity to not do it passively, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So like, instead of, God, I've been believing the lie of passivity and, you know, I just break it off. You know, you're kind of like just, "Eh," about it. It's kind of a passive approach to breaking off passively. Exactly, it's it's pretty, yeah. Ineffective, maybe. Yeah, right, ironic to do it that way, right? (laughs) So we actually intentionally have them bust out of it by doing certain things like that.
0: It makes me think of like some people grew up in homes were very physically affectionate, mm-hmm. constant hugging and kissing and holding and snuggling and that kind of thing. And then you have other people that grew up in a home maybe where touching was not really done and mm-hmm. it's sort of awkward. And you can tell the difference between those types of people if you, you know, hug them or if you even shake their hands sometimes. And it's these things that we don't really sit there and think this is how I'm going to approach physical touch with people it's something we learn. It's something that we get from our parents. It's something we get from our environment. And so I think in that sense, there's we, a lot of us have been taught just to be passive, just sit down and be quiet. And, you know, don't talk about politics. Don't talk about religion. Don't go into these spaces. Those are awkward, maybe even had some bad experiences or been reinforced that as a kid. And so I feel like that's a huge barrier to overcome for a lot of people where they're kind of like, I don't even know how to talk to a stranger, let alone share the gospel. And that's why I am I love the DTS. I love the fact that we are unpacking multiple layers to this. Because you do need to be able to share the gospel clearly, but you also need to learn how to speak to a stranger. Right. Or understand situations. And, and growing in that, you know, it, it seems kind of weird, but like standing on a chair, you, you know, yelling, <laughs> it really does something to you. Like yeah. you, I felt something unlocking me when I did it. It was just right. like, oh, I I don't have to worry about what people are thinking right. about what I'm saying. And it's just it's learning those things that maybe you you'd learned wrong or learned differently
1: well i'll go a little broader even with that too i think in the western church it's more normal to be a spectator than a participant and so most people when they come to a church service or anything having to do a church really usually they're coming to attend. like they're coming and it's not all bad but usually what we see is it doesn't as much produce the person being activated in their own gifts with their own voice and being a witness for Jesus and a personal relationship with God. Some people are really surviving. You may be listening to this in the same shoes right now where you're kind of surviving through the week to get to church on Sunday. And that 30 minutes, 45 minutes, if you're a charismatic church, an hour and a half (laughs) message that's preached and man, I'm fed now and then you survive through the week to get fed again. And when you go to church, you're not as much thinking, all right, I'm here to contribute as much as I'm here to receive. Mm-hmm. And I think in our schools, and I think in the body of Christ in general, God's calling us to flip that. Where in Acts one eight it says we're called to be witnesses to the ends of the earth, whether that's our next door neighbor or some foreign country. Like, Bruno over here. I can't say Bruno with a straight face for some reason. It's really hard for me. (laughs) But um, we're all called to be participants. We're all called to be in the game. We're all called to be witnesses for him. And I think that is, that's a little bit broader than just sharing the gospel it's it's your identity and what He's called you to be it's our intimacy with jesus in the place of prayer and the word like wow like he can speak back to me i can talk to him like it is christianity is not a boring hour and 15 minute thing a week where we like trying to fall asleep while someone's talking it is a life In relationship with the creator of the universe on fire like wanting to share him with the world and he can use us in a crazy powerful way to change people's lives and I think that's more the like one of the broader goals there is to see people like we see it all the time the light bulb moments come on we're like wait this is Christianity oh, wow, <laughs> like this is life with Jesus. I always thought it was kind of a little boring and I had to just kind of tolerate it. But really, he's called us to do this. So
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm trying to remember where the scripture is. It talking about the people of Israel with a veil over their eyes. And you get that sense sometimes. I actually think the enemy, Satan, however you want to talk, you know, I believe in spiritual warfare. He is working overtime to get Christians to just live a comfortable Christian maybe not even doing a whole lot of sin, but they're just kind of going to church and they're receiving. Um, He's like totally cool with that. Like that's like, you're not, you're not a threat. You're not a threat at all. You're just sitting there. And I think what we have to sort of realize is that God is calling us as Christians, not just to receive the grace of God or receive the truth or receive the lifestyle, but we're also called to share it. And that's not, in the sense of like, for me, that immediately feels like guilt trip. I have to go share the gospel, but it's more like a posture of our whole lives of like, I'm available to you, God. And you know, I don't think it's when we think of sharing the gospel, I think we think of it as, you know, going in the streets and sharing the five points of the gospel, Mm -hmm. which there is a place for that. Mm -hmm. And I think we as Christians should grapple with that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is just, you know, honestly living for God and Mm -hmm. being available Mm -hmm. and being willing to speak and being ready to speak. When the opportunity arises, with a family member, with a neighbor, mm-hmm. um, demonstrating, I think a marriage that, you if you take the Bible seriously and you love your wife as Christ loved the church, that's a demonst- That's very mm-hmm. anti culture. That's very different than our culture. Our culture tells us that you know we're pitted against each other. If you live that in your marriage, it's going to be a demonstration of the gospel to the people around you, and they're going to be like you know, I know a lot of Christians, but they get divorces too. Like what's different about you? And, you know, I think that is really where we're headed for this. It's meant to be a real thing that's overflowing out of us, not something that we're like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do this. Here it, here it is. Right. No,
1: no. Amen. Love it. Bruno, you got any thoughts on this stuff?
2: I mean, I think one thing is, I think just people have to realize there's a bunch of different ways to share too. I think context matters. And then I think the hardest thing is just like, oh man, I probably will get rejected, I think 90% of the time.
0: Maybe even realizing is not as, it's like accepting the fact that you're going to get rejected, it's actually not as bad as you might think.
2: Yeah, because isn't there like a statistic where in the Western world, before someone actually accepts Jesus, they have exposure to the gospel like seven times? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because for me, looking back at it, my context, at least some Americans have a grid of Jesus. Where is that? They're like, they have a misconception. So it's probably more than seven. But if like, hey, if I'm one of the guys who shares Jesus, I'm maybe one of the, I'm the eighth guy or the ninth guy or whatever in that process. I'm inching them closer. So I feel like, oh, I think everyone who shares, no matter if it's good or bad, it's, you're doing it. And I right. think that's just awesome. Right. That might might be my big takeaway.
1: The, I I think just to speak to that, the biggest issue that I've, i've seen is staying on the sidelines more than doing it wrong more than like fumbling or having the right theology or whatever even perfect theology right is staying on the sideline and being the non-threat to where the enemy is not even afraid of you because you're not activated and if we're just being real a, a lot of the western church is not activated i think even in their own relationship with god let alone sharing it with someone else and gosh that is such a not exciting way to live in some ways, right? God's called us to be ones that are His ambassadors to the world, the agents of change, the salt. You know, there's 50 yeah. analogies, and it's it's exciting. And I think a lot of people have experienced a version of Christianity that is not exciting because it's not personal. It's it's a category of their life. It's not
0: their life. Yeah.
1: Regardless, even if they're a businessman, it is your life still. Um, it doesn't matter what you're occupation is so
0: you said sideline i'm thinking about that like if we literally talk about a football player on a sideline i feel like there's two different approaches to sideline like if you're a sports player on the sideline you got that guy who's like pumped who's Mm -hmm. like in the game Mm -hmm. but on the sideline yeah and he's like helmet in his hand maybe even on his head and he's just like sitting there waiting he's like doing reps to stay warm like Mm -hmm. running up and down the field ready for the coach to say all right get in there yeah and he's just like I'm in, right. let's go. And he's like ready to play that next play. Right. And then you've got the guy who's on the sideline who's like never played a game in his life, the, never played a play. The backup punter. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and he's, <laughs> he's over there. he's got like, he doesn't even know where his helmet is. Like his helmet might be in a locker room for all we know. And the coach is like, hey, get on the field here. He's like, uh, 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 um, me? Like, uh, oh shoot, where's my helmet? Like, right. and you, you have that. There's two, those, both those guys are on the sideline. One of them is like, I don't, I'm not playing right now, but like I'm thinking about it and I'm engaged in it and I'm understanding that I'm in this. That That's a football player who's ready to go. The other guy has almost been like, sort of accepted the fact that he's not an active player. Mm-hmm. And you know, you got 11 men on the field, uh, you know, the, the scenario with Christianity is says the workers are few. I mean, mm-hmm. the opportunities are there. Right. So the it's not, you don't have the excuse of like, God's not calling me in the game. Right. God's calling you in the game you're not going to play every play or play all the time mm-hmm. the question is are you do you even know where your helmet is right. that's that's when i think of that sideline approach for christians and that would be uh, you know i don't mind at all plugging dt's i think that's where you get in there and you're like let's go get some plays let's go engage this let's get around people that are doing it mm-hmm. maybe everyone in your church maybe everyone in your community has never, isn't doing this and, mm-hmm. isn't, and never does it. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's a really hard place to start doing this. That's mm-hmm. a hard place to all of a sudden become a Christian who's active in sharing the gospel. When like everyone around you has like poured cement on all the excuses they have for not doing it. And like for you to do it, it almost is offensive to them. That, that actually can be a very challenging place mm-hmm. to learn and start sharing the gospel. Um, so that's one of the reasons I love DTS is kind of like get in a room everyone's, with people that have done it. it with people that haven't done it, we're all going for it. We're all learning together. Um, so to me, that's like, I think some of these pieces are there where you can like activate more where you're at. But in some cases, like maybe it's not a DTS, like go get in a situation where you're being activated, where yeah, you're it's being- it's almost
1: like you're being forced out of your comfort zone with people around you.
0: Totally. Yeah. You need that. It's game changer, yeah. I uh, actually read this book, um, Spiritual, Disci- Spiritual Multiplication in the Real World by Bob McNabb, super great book. Mm -hmm. Um, And he, I don't remember what ministry they were involved in, but they had this missions organization, not so different from YWAM. And they had uh, all these missionaries, like missionaries who had been on the field for years and years and years, who are still on the field, those who had come home, some that had done little bits of training, some that had done lots, different giftings. And they said, you know what, we're going to do a survey to figure out what's the biggest single factor in why Christians don't share the gospel or, or why they do, why are missionaries, whether they're active or, or, you know, retired or not in that role anymore, what makes them still share the gospel? What's the thing? Do you have any guesses, Bruno
2: of why they still share?
0: Yeah. Like what, what makes the difference? Like, is it the amount of training? Is it the time they were on the field? Is it like any guesses as to what, what, what it was? It was like one factor that
2: really came out.
1: You told me before the podcast, so I I have the cheat
2: sheet. I feel like it might be an active prayer life. I I would guess that or some kind of devotion. Yeah.
0: So they had like all these different things they asked them on like that, like active prayer life, how much you read the Bible, how many years of experience you have, how many trainings you've been through. And the one factor that was like far above and beyond all the other factors was have you, are are you in a community that prioritizes sharing the gospel regularly? It's like no matter how, active you were, if you leave that community, if you leave that space where there's, where there's an intentionality saying, no, oh, let's do this, you will lose it. Like no matter how gifted you are, no matter how much experience you have, if all of a sudden you're alone and no one around you, you're just trying to make it work, then it's, and I've found that very true in my life. The times that I've shared the gospel consistently are actually when I have people around me saying, let's go prioritize this. And when you're doing it on a weekly basis, it's it's not about the weekly basis it's not about like even that that's where the gospel gets spread is through that weekly intentional time Mm -hmm. but it keeps you active it keeps Mm -hmm. you going Mm -hmm. i was i was really surprised by that and if you look at the church in america i feel like there's very few churches that really do that that practically say no we need to create a space for the gospel to be shared intentionally not not as like a i ran into someone and the opportunity presented itself but in the sense of like on sundays at 5 p.m. we're going to go to the park.
1: Or or it's even just an environment where you're hearing testimonies. Like, I was Sunday at the park just randomly and um, I talked to this person, prayed for them, and then, they're coming back sharing that with us. And man, this guy came to Jesus and he's going to come to our guy's breakfast we do next week. Like, it's going to be awesome. And like, stuff like that, I think, pumps up people.
0: Testimonies. Testimonies.
1: Oh, for sure. Like, testimonies. And then you're like, well, gosh, that's amazing. Then you meet the, the brand new believer and brand new Christians are amazing to be around.
0: Oh, my Honestly, gosh. it's so refreshing. We need more of those in yeah. the churches. Right. We had some. Uh, How do we get them? Right. Where do we
1: get this? <laughs> in our current DTS. We have some right now, right. And the way that they even talk, <laughs> when God is moving in their life. (laughs) I love it. No religion. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, so I was just like over there, just like sitting in the chair, and I guess I threw a question to Jesus, and then like he spoke to me. I Just the way that they talk makes me happy.
0: (laughs) We had a new believer in our community who like, Hadn't sh- shook the habit of swearing, so he's like talking about Jesus and Holy <laughs> Spirit and like dropping
1: yeah, yeah, yeah right
0: swear words n- left and right. I never felt that like,
1: uh. blank blank thing in my life ever. Man, that's that was amazing. Yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. Just like it's Jesus, man. What are you doing? Like this is great. <laughs> and and I think that freshness of new Christians, people encountering God in a new way, is man. It is life giving. I just think about you, know, you have kids. I have a little kid. He's one year. He's one years old, and he doesn't know what he's doing in most categories of his life right now, but him being around and even messing up is like, it brings life to people. Like when he walks in the room, everyone ignores me, shocking, and they literally look at this child <laughs> who then trips and falls in his face because he's learning how to walk. Can barely do anything. <clears throat> Can barely do anything. He smiles at him and everyone's like, oh my gosh. that's." And I think that that joy that new life brings I mean, when a believer comes into the kingdom, they are born again, and they're a baby Christian. It does. It just brings life to wherever context that is.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So um, there's this saying that goes around in Christianity all the time around sharing the gospel. I think it's maybe Augustine or something like that. Uh, it's It goes something like this. I know. Yeah. It's... Uh, but do you know the saying? trying to remember it off the top yeah, of my head. <clears throat>
1: yeah, I'm pretty sure. And it actually <laughs> wasn't Augustine who said it. It, it was. It's, but I'm um, messing this up. Preach the gospel. Well, everyone thinks it was him, but it actually wasn't. Preach okay. the gospel, and if necessary, use words.
0: There you go. I lost it somewhere for a second. But like, what would you say? Would you do you agree with that? Like, is it? Should we be preaching the gospel with our lifestyle? Um, instead of words, or like, how do you approach that? The
1: truth that people are trying to say when they quote that is true, in that we shouldn't be a hypocrite where we say one thing and do another. Absolutely, That's what usually yeah. people are trying to communicate. But the, but, What that phrase actually is saying is you don't have to say anything to preach the gospel, and that's biblically wrong, actually. And I'd say there are a lot of Christians that they're just waiting in their jobs every day or in the context that they're in for Holy Spirit just to mark someone and walk up and be like, wow, you are an amazing Christian. How do I find Jesus? Like, what must I do to be saved moment (laughs) without actually opening up their mouth and saying anything? And it's very clear in Scripture that your deed and your word should be the gospel. It has to be both. And it can't, when we just say, because I think people, they hear that and they're like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, I don't even have to say anything. I think some people actually want to run away with that. And the reality is It becomes an excuse.
0: It's an excuse to say, I don't need to share the gospel with my words because my lifestyle shows it. But actually, let's back that track for a second. Like, does your lifestyle actually display the gospel? Are you surrendering Jesus in every area of your life? Are you loving God with your finances, loving God in your home life with your family and your kids? That's a real question. Or your parents. That's a real question. And it's like, if you're doing that, that is compelling. But I think for a lot of people, they're kind of like, oh yeah, I live for Christ. It's like, well, I don't know what that looks like. Do you actually live for Christ? So, I, Cause I think it acts really compelling. Uh, it says when necessary use words, maybe the argument is around when is it necessary to use words it's like, well, it's necessary a lot actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yes, live for Christ in a way that displays it with radical, like you don't need to tell your neighbor that you're a Christian if you just love them and you show display it. they're going to be like, why are you doing this? So yes, actions are incredibly powerful, but I think we real, we don't, we underestimate how necessary words are mm-hmm. that were caused, like it says in Romans 10, how will they know unless someone preaches right. and so someone tells them. Yeah, literally. Yeah, And so it's literally like faith comes from hearing the word of God. Right. Like y- you need to say what's going on words. in your heart, yeah. words, <laughs> but I think there is a lot of truth in that mm-hmm. s- saying. I just think that maybe the way it's portrayed is. Yeah.
1: And what they're trying to attack is hypocrisy. And that's hundred yeah. percent true. But
0: I-, I think they're actually, maybe I'm d- skeptical. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> to me, I almost feel like it's sort of this excuse, like, yeah, I don't need to. I don't need to share the gospel because I live for Jesus.
1: I'll use this example. Is it okay if I say this? Go for it. Okay. um, My wife and I have a house here locally. And um, on our street, when we first moved in, my wife, not me, baked cookies for, I don't know, a dozen neighbors or so. And the point was just to start a conversation and to meet them and get to know them a little bit. Um, But... Our goal is not just to bake them cookies every week, like we could, and people could,
0: the eighth, Cookie enthusiasts. Yeah
1: the, yeah, the eighth time they receive cookies at their door, they could be, wow, they must be Christians. You know, like, <laughs> it just hits them. No, the goal really is that um, some of them probably are Christians, and then some are not. The goal is to start the relationship, and then we've had opportunities here and there where we actually talk to them, Connect with them. Even um, in our note, we wrote to some someone that had a, you know a problem. Right, our one of our next door neighbors was. We're praying for you. Like we're intentionally trying to bring Jesus because we know at the end of the day that's what they need most. They don't need cookies the most. Um, they do need compassion. They do need somebody to hear their hear uh, what's going on in their lives, the the problems there. But the ultimate solution is Jesus, and we know that. And so our goal is to any way we can. We're on mission. It's not just this passive thing where we're just next door neighbors and cookies every week. And, you know, hey neighbor, you get the cookies? Great, yeah. (laughs) But the goal is eventually that they would meet Jesus the way that he's changed our lives, he would change theirs.
0: Yeah, and I think what I would love to add to that, there's this assumption that we, we, you said this, that they need Jesus. Really, that's what they need. And as Christians, like I believe that 100% they need Jesus. I think for us sometimes that almost feels like what we're saying is they don't know they need Jesus, or they don't know how much this will change their lives, which is true. But what I think sometimes we don't understand is that there people are desperate for Jesus. Like hmm. we we look at it and we see this small percentage of people that are vocally opposed to Christianity, but the reality is that there are you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few people out there are searching for meaning. They're searching for purpose, they're searching for things. And so when you give them cookies, you're making a connection to them that opens up the opportunity. It's a human connection where, yeah, you then start to say like, tell me about your life and you start to pick up on things and they might realize, you know what? This person seems more interested in me than any of the people I work with or any of my family members and they actually deeply care about me. They actually prayed for me. Like, I'm tired of the life that I have. I mean, suicide rates are high people are you know, addicted to all kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. and it's like people, there are people out there, Mm -hmm. a lot of people out there that are waiting for the gospel to be shared with them. This is what they want. They just don't realize it. And yeah, they need someone to share with them. That's not coming in with religion and coming Mm -hmm. in with duty. They're, they're coming in with freedom and life, but also truth. But that that's where, you know, hanging the cookies out, it can feel as a Christian, like, Oh yeah, I'm doing a project in my neighborhood, but no, you're just connecting with, Mm -hmm. I have something like, The reason I share the gospel is not because I feel the religious need to, I have something and I need to share it because it's changed everything about me. And that's where the veil is. Like if if I have something over my eyes and I don't even realize what I have is worth anything. Like for me, it's, do you believe the Bible? Do you believe in Jesus? Has he actually changed your life? Because if he hasn't, then yeah, like you're just offering someone a religious guilt trip. But if, if you've experienced God in a real way, it's like, of course I have to share this. Like I found something that, actually works, that actually connects. Amen. And I think that's what a lot of Christians are missing. And they 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 see it the other way around. They see it as, oh yeah, I'm supposed to go give cookies to my neighbors and I'm supposed to be friends with them and I'm supposed to share with them. When it's like, no, they're like real people that are hungry mm-hmm. and and it's very rare today. The workers are few. It's very rare today for people to actually share their faith.
1: And, and that's why we need the heart of Jesus, the heart and the eyes of Jesus. I'd say for my wife and I, one of the most common prayers we pray is, Lord, let me see what you see, feel what you feel. Because Jesus, in every moment of life, you see it in the Gospels, he's not having to, um, in the moment someone's in need, he's not, God, give me compassion, give me compassion, give me compassion. He is already in tune with the Father completely, and his compassion is overflowing because he has his heart. Now, I'm not quite at Jesus' level, so I need, I need to ask God, Lord, give me your heart. Give me your heart. And I even ask him all the time, Lord, let me feel what you feel in the moment. Like, so I don't have to go away for two hours, get compassion, and then come back and have it. But I'm not perfect in that. And sometimes you need to step out before you feel it. But I think we do need the compassion of Jesus. Where you see it several times in scripture where he looked on, looked out on the people, and they were like sheep, helpless and harassed. Without without a shepherd, yeah, without a shepherd, they're just they're going all over the place, and his heart he had a heart of compassion there, and then from that place he goes into saying, you know, pray for laborers. We need laborers to actually go, and that was from a place of compassion that he
0: operated. I think that a big barrier to Christians sharing the gospel is that they actually haven't encountered God's love. They don't actually know God's love, so the idea of loving the people around them. The, the only reason they would share the gospel is because they feel a religious duty to. They don't actually, they're not actually moved by God's love for people to mm-hmm. say, I feel compelled to go and share mm-hmm. what I found because I love those people, mm-hmm. because God loved those loves those people. And I think, uh, uh, not to be a, <laughs> not to be a, um, repeat myself too often, but like, again, I think DTS is a great place to come and encounter who God is and realize that God loves you. Um, because I think that until you get that, that all of this won't make any sense. Like good luck trying to share the gospel. If you're doing it from this position of like, oh yeah, I should do this. And it's
1: just a checklist thing. And,
0: I mean, look at your life. You know, if you're watching this, <clears throat> look at your life, ask this question, you know, am I operating from a place of, oh my gosh, I'm moved by God's love for me. I'm moved by who God is. And I can't help but share like it, it's coming out of me. And to be honest with you, I'm, I've been a missionary for three years. I've been a Christian for, um, like 15, 16, 17 years, something like that. And it's just this in the last year that I've started to encounter God's love in that way Mm. to the point where I'm no longer operating as a Christian who's thinking I'm supposed to do this or I'm doing this to earn God's love. Uh, Like I am actually doing it because God loves me and
1: And it's overflowing. Yeah,
0: I, I think that's huge. And, um, you know, if you don't have that, if you're there and you're like, mm-hmm. I want to love God, I want to live for God, like, you need to get that. You need Damn to encounter it. God. You need to figure out where that is, what that looks like. Come in January or whenever to do a DTS here or go somewhere else. Like, but you need to encounter God's love. Mm-hmm. I mean, this doesn't, this doesn't work unless you have God's love.
2: It's so interesting you guys bring it up. I think even sharing the gospel, there is this vulnerability of getting hurt because of rejection. But if you really love them, that's a part of it, I think. I think me and my wife had a conversation once. She was joking. "It's like, you can't hurt me. And I was kind of pissed off of like, oh, if I can't hurt you, then you really don't love me then. Because if you really love me, then I could hurt you. So in some ways, we're, it's a joking thing. But in the same way, sharing the gospel, too, there is like, if I get rejected, it's going to hurt. But that's actually loving because them. Because you love them. Yeah. Because you care. And that was kind of a huge switch, I think, too. Because I think, I've, maybe I could ask you guys a question, too. It's like, do you think friendship evangelism works meaning i'm friends with them i'll love them it's kind of like you know the thing you guys talked about earlier of like preach the gospel if necessary use words but for me my personal experience of seeing that it's like oh you you love them enough to be kind to them but you don't love them enough to be vulnerable to share what you really believe cuz they can to hurt risk you. the
0: relationship or risk your yeah. reputation or yeah. be misunderstood
2: because I think because that means I think you, you just don't love them enough. I've seen it um on the mission field where people have tried that, and I don't really judge them. I think it's just like I just haven't seen them encounter Jesus then.
0: I think it goes back to that space of saying, you can't hide your faith yeah. in friendship with someone like I don't think I think you I think many, many people come to Christ because of relationship. So absolutely relationship works, but it's relationship with who you really are. Yeah. And so as long as like, and I think you can actually have a respectful conversation. A lot of times when I'm sharing the gospel, I'll even ask like, are you a Christian? And that gives them the space to say, no, I'm not, or yes, I am, or what that looks like. It's like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And it's almost like, I don't need to act like I'm on this like spy level coming in to like get yeah. you to accidentally become a Christian. It's like, no, I'm. this is who I am. And I'm going to talk like a Christian and I'm going to act like a Christian in my friendship with you, but I'm not going to do it from this position of like you have to be a Christian or I won't accept you or you have to believe what I believe or you're wrong. I think that's when friendship evangelism can work when you're letting your life be on display before them, but you're doing it from this position of also like, no, I'm also friends with you and I'm actually loving you as a
2: friend. But there's, there has to be an awareness, right? That, they're a Christian up front. I've seen people maybe on the field, it's almost like a bait and switch. It's like, they're friends with them for a long, maybe a year, six months, whatever, out in length. It's not going to get any easier to bring up Jesus. Yeah, and then they say you're Christian. It's like, so you're just friends with me to get this thing? Yeah. To like switch me? So for me, I think in some ways it does work, but I think at least the context I was at overseas of within two to five minutes of saying, hey, like, curious what do you believe and like kind of figure that out and like hey this is what i believe so that way it's kind of open in the air and they know our friendship is right. more than just in the means to get them somewhere but i think a lot of people have this like weird, wrong idea of like mm-hmm. they'll see it if they you know like if i don't have to say it right. it's like i think you kind of have to state where you're at and then you could display but it's almost like when you guys know working cross-culturally well i'm gonna do this to stand against the culture and people like, and they'll get it. Like, this is the right way to do it. And then everyone else is like, no, you're just an idiot. (laughs) Like you're acting dumb, but you have to explain why you're doing it. An example I know in uh, South American countries is kind of like disgraceful for men to wash dishes,
0: but it's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm going to go
2: in, wash dishes and say like, Oh, and they'll understand. And they're like, actually, no, like, Your status is like weird. You're not explaining the purpose behind you washing dishes. Yeah.
0: You have to be culturally aware and engage the culture where it's at, for sure.
2: Yeah. So if you're doing something different, it's like, oh, like in this culture, I know it's wrong, but actually I love my wife, so I want to serve her in that, and that's why I'm washing dishes. You have to explain it. Just doing it doesn't make sense. Hmm. So I think in the same way, it's really useful of like, hey, if you're going to love them based on relationship or, like, use actions and use words necessary, I think that's kind of a false dichotomy in some ways of, like, yeah, I think you could say that what you believe, but you don't have to convert them. And with actions of loving them, you could display that. But I feel like that's a weird kind of gray area sometimes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's definitely true. I mean, I think for me it's just recognizing that you have to own what you believe and not hide it. Yeah. And um, like you said earlier about the spouse thing, like, if you meet somebody, it's going to come up, if not in the first conversation, definitely the second conversation that you're married on some level, cause you're talking about it. And I think for me, like if people start asking me questions like, why do you live in Kansas city? Or why did you move to Norway? Or like, you know, what do you do for a living? Mm-hmm. It's going to come up. Like God affects every area of my life. Now, if God didn't, if I was just doing what I wanted to do and there was just a, I'm not saying that everybody has to have a God reason behind every decision they make, but I just feel like it's impossible to hide Jesus accidentally in a friendship or in a relationship, you just have to be upfront about it, but you own the fact that it's not awkward or weird. You're not making this about the fact that you're a Christian. You're just sharing who you are like openly. I think that's what, to me then a friendship can work. And you could be friends with someone who's not a Christian and you show them by your actions that you're not worried about that. And that it's not just that you're trying to reach them for Jesus.
1: I I would say maybe one of the things I've seen, I don't know if this is true for you in a foreign context, but I think people, to even be friends with someone for a year and to not know what they believe probably is exposing in your heart as well that you don't have much depth in relationship would be my guess. I think actually if you have real deep relationships with people, you do share the hard things. You share the things that are deeper it's not just like only the surface level stuff, where you're sitting around talking about the weather all the time, you know, or whatever, playing video games for forty hours. Wh- that is what you do with the person you play video games all the time. You know, I think it actually exposes that there's not much depth in your relationship. You, you, I think people don't even know how to get there sometimes because maybe in the maybe the Christian friendships where they all do love Jesus, they don't actually talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah. And they don't talk about their real struggles or the things that are going on in their family. Or I think there's, and I see this more and more, I think in the next gen as well as there's a longing for a deep relationship, but maybe don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another piece as well that is uh, is key.
0: Come into a DTS.
2: I know. Yeah. Feels <laughs> feels like, on this. I'm, I'm feels, serious. Yeah. I believe it in true. it.
0: I really believe in it. And I think if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I don't know how to engage in deep in relationship or I don't know how to, I don't feel like God loves me or whatever, The like that's what you need, that space. Um, I do think practice is huge, but you'd need that space to, to encounter God. You need that space to get some tools. You need that space to learn friendship. So yeah, for real. Bruno, do we have any questions from Instagram? We posted this morning on Instagram, so we might be not as many questions. Sorry, we didn't post it earlier. We
2: have a few questions. One is the Ben from Vegas asks, how can Christians better overcome fear associated with evangelism?
0: Good question.
1: We kind of hit on it a little bit.
0: I would say like, fear is not something that we're meant to get rid of. It's something that we're just meant to ignore i've heard this before that that hunger can actually uh if you're hungry enough for something it can overcome fear and you see people who are like in starving countries when there's food available like they oftentimes have like stampedes people are just crazy to get to that food and they lose their sense of like a fear of getting hurt because they're so hungry for that food so i think if you're hunger for jesus your hunger if you want to if you are moved by god's love for the lost it's going to render that fear like you're not going to worry about it you're just going to move past it
1: i'd say just two quick nuggets other than what we've already said is um number one is what we mentioned earlier i think just stepping out and actually busting through fear by doing the opposite an example in my life was I actually had fear of what people thought of me in the place of actually in worship, singing out loud, which sounds super funny. <laughs> I would literally lip sync, not even joking, <laughs> actually real, <laughs> right? And I was, because I wanted people to think I was singing, but they didn't want them to hear my voice, actually. Um, but God challenged me, I felt him challenge me to go to the back and sing as loud as I could for people to hear me. And I have an average voice. Um, so I did that, and the more I did it, literally just started to bust fear off my life. So I think actually just stepping out is one. And then and you I'm, can
0: step out in ways that aren't sharing the gospel. Like I think mm-hmm. a good first step for a lot of people is actually just talking with strangers. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's actually sometimes the hardest Saying part hello. of the conversation is Say, just how
1: are you doing today? Yeah.
0: Connecting with a stranger and yeah, opening up the conversation. And that sometimes is, that's like a tip I learned from Christophe Elise. Like sometimes you just need to, that's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, how do I start the conversation and also go right to Jesus? It's like, no, just start the conversation and see where it goes. And then it like, find God in the conversation and see where it heads.
1: And then I'd say just one more nugget is um, just to believe, actually, it says in Timothy, like we haven't been given the spirit of fear. So that's not power, love, and a sound mind is actually the Holy Spirit. That's what he's given us through the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so believing that and acting upon it in faith. All
2: right. Next question is... Oh, I hope I don't butcher this name. <laughs> Manane Ali. They don't know who <laughs> you.
0: They don't know who you are, anyways, bro. So no, it's okay. okay. You're safe.
2: Her question <laughs> is, what is okay to share at work given HR rules?
0: That's a great question. I mean, obviously, it's going to depend on the the company you're in and even the country you're in. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to understand um, that that context. But to me, there is a opportunity. Like, for example. To invite someone that you work with over for lunch or over for dinner um, to hang out with them in a non-work setting if the rules are very strict in that sense and you might even check um, but you want to be aware i mean there's no reason to go out a hostile person who you know is not going to respond well and go straight for let me share you the five point gospel like maybe the starting point is just you know being friends with the person mm-hmm. um, i think you do need to be intentional mm-hmm. to not stay in that place of friendship and not go anywhere else um yeah yeah, and I think
1: I don't know the example coming to my mind is a teacher in class or something with students. Yeah, and there's a lot of contexts like this where they're not allowed to like preach the gospel from the front in a public school, which I think is ridiculous. But um, but if you're in that role, it is a tough spot to be in. Like it is. first off, just acknowledge okay, that's a tight spot. Um, but if you look at the Bible, a lot of people are in tight spots, and you you still should be bold. But I think you want to be as what's that term Jesus says as wise as a serpent but innocent as a dove yeah and so I think there is wisdom in how to do it when to do it where to do it I can't give you the strategy for that but I think Holy Spirit can
0: yeah it might be a sense of knowing what your role is in that place what God's calling you to because you look at the disciples and they were thrown in jail <laughs> because they were talking about Jesus and they are like okay you can leave but stop talking about Jesus and they are like we can't stop talking about yes, Jesus we like we're not going to do that and they are like okay, I guess go. Like, so it's, it's that sense of like, sometimes the rules are even there. You know. Maybe you're in a country where it's illegal to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I think there are spaces where God calls us to lay our jobs, lay our lives down for the gospel. Um, knowing that and being intentional about that obviously is there, but... There's, there's some people that
1: they misquote scriptures in a probably well-meaning way, but it's actually wrong, <laughs> where they, they say if it's illegal, you shouldn't do it. That's not in the Bible anywhere. Um, You honor authority. you You honor authority and you stay at peace with authority as much as possible. Those are both scriptures. But just because something is illegal doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. The whole New Testament all the early apostles, believers, yeah. literally are all doing illegal things, and they all died. And and a lot of the apostles, With the exception of John, I, think, I know all of them died. Eleven of the twelve apostles were martyred. <laughs> Tradition says, and then a lot of the early churches in general, the churches in Corinth and these different places had persecution there, and in the midst of that, they were still bold. I do think there's wisdom and how to do it and where to do it. Maybe just don't go right up to like the megaphone and out of school and you just start preaching the gospel. Okay, if God says do that, do that. But um, but I think we should be bold. I think the bigger issue is people aren't bold. Then the the how is is the question.
0: And the persecution of the early church is what led to the spread of the gospel at a rapid rate around the world. (laughs) And I think that is something we're missing today: is that Christians aren't willing to go to the level of being persecuted they're not willing to share their faith on that level. And, you know, that, that's, that's for real. Like, am I willing to go do that? that it's real. But that is, we look at the Bible and you just follow what they're doing. Like, that's what they were doing.
1: I know Bruno has, has something he wants to throw in, but I'll just mention this real quick. If you guys wanna read a book that will maybe make you feel not saved, but it's an amazing book. <laughs> it, but it, seriously, it, it is amazing, It's super powerful. It's called The Heavenly Man. Um, by Brother Yoon, and him just his story will wreck you in a good way. I just encourage anyone watching, literally read that, and it'll. I think it'll change you your life if you read it with an open heart.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I had a f- friend of mine who works at a specific industry. He wants me to like work for his nonprofit. I'm kind of praying through it as a marketing person, but in his p- specific industry, like I think sometimes being a Christian, you're kind of demoted or downgraded, or there's less opportunity. So, one time he would leave work or he would move on to another job, and he found out as he was leaving and transitioning that there were other Christians in the workplace. So, that was kind of a disheartening thing to hear nowadays. So, one practical thing I think of is you might need to take a risk on how you identify or if you say you're Christian, and that's kind of you got to figure that out. But I think a practical thing is like a lot of coworkers normally in a workplace say, Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Or it's one fun thing that you did. And I think, you know, fill it out, pray with the Lord. It's like, I'm assuming you go to a local church. It's like, oh, I went to serve a church service on Sunday and they talked about this, and this has really impacted me, and I'm still thinking about it today. So that way, you're not really offensive. You're not saying anything to that person, but you're just telling them almost your own testimony in some ways of how God's working in your life. It's authentic. I think that, and it it's really authentic. They can't really tell you how you should feel or what they should think. It's more you're expressing how you're feeling and you're thinking about. So I think that could be one step that you could take practically in a workplace that I would kind of think about.
0: Yeah, totally. In today's culture, you know, your truth is is king. And so there is a lot of space in our culture for, well, that's true for you or that's your experience or that's what you believe. And people will actually listen and say, you know, cool, and so I think, sometimes just being willing to speak up. I, I heard this story about a Muslim in a high school who had a friend who was Christian, and he he became a Christian, this Muslim guy, and he was saying that, looking back, he was so confused about this Christian guy. It's like, why does he not believe in God? Is, he just, is this just cultural? Like, why would he not talk to me about this? He must not believe it. Like, and so just realizing, I think, again, people recognize there are Christians in the world, and this is what they believe, and they're looking for examples in their life of of like why confirming what they believe that christians are hateful or confirming what they believe that christians are you know not and we have the opportunity to yeah show i'm a christian and bring it up in situations that make <laughs> sense and then show love to people and like mm-hmm. you know i think most people think that christians are just hateful bigoted people it's like that's a lot harder to grapple with when you have a Christian in your life who's actually very loving and actually very engaging. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, that's your testimony um, in those situations for sure. This has been awesome. Do you have any more questions? Uh, That's it. Cool. Well, we'll leave your questions in the comments down below. This is going to be an ongoing conversation. But um, yeah, we're super excited about where this podcast is going, talking about uh, missions, talking about sharing who we are, our faith. Um, thanks for joining me, Jonathan. Come on. It's
1: good, bro. I might not be here next week if they put a comment in the, uh, below that I I need to be gone then, but it was fun this time.
0: (laughs) They're not going to put a comment in there. I was like, you're going to be traveling next week. No, we're good. Uh, yeah. Let us know what comments or what topics you want to, um, hit in the next episodes ahead comments down below. Like we want this to be shaped by what you guys are thinking, where you guys are at. Um, and I don't, I will continue to shamelessly plug DTS. Like I think DTS is an amazing opportunity. So if that's you, you don't even necessarily have to be like, okay, I'm going to do a DTS, just consider it. And I'll put a link down below to apply for the DTS. And if you apply, you'll get a call from one of our team and just start that conversation. We would love to pray with you. Even if you're like DTS is impossible. You think it's impossible. Maybe it's finances or something like that. Just, apply and let's ask God together where this is where this is headed we'll see you all next week thanks for tuning in to our YWAM Kansas City podcast if you enjoyed listening please subscribe share
2: and leave a rating if you are watching please like comment share and subscribe and be sure to turn on our post notifications to catch our podcasts as soon as they release we'll see you next time